What is up, boys and girls? This is Muted No More, and yes, I am your guy, Dan Dudziak. Welcome back. I hope all of you are well, healthy, staying safe, my, my usual shtick, but I mean it every time, well, healthy, staying safe, etc. Oh, happy election week as well. Um, regardless of what side you're on, um, left, right, red, blue, in the middle, doesn't matter to you, go out there and do your part. Uh, as an American citizen, they don't ask a lot of you, right? Um, but go out there and, and vote. You know, it's very easy to bitch and moan and groan behind a, the safety of a keyboard, if you will, uh, when it comes to our current president or the the future of this country looking forward. So get out there and vote. Uh, be the change you want to see in the world. That's That's my advice to you. Now, down to business, if if you will. Did you miss me? That's that's the bigger question. Season two, yes, season number two is here. Muted no more, got renewed, or whatever you want to say for a season two, and here we are. Thank you so much for staying in touch during my little uh, hiatus. I've had some stuff going on, um, getting some more stuff on the ledger for you guys as far as new content, new guests, new topics, uh, same old controversy, same old argumentative tendencies, if you will. But again, the the continued love and support and, and input and you guys sticking it out really, really means a lot to me. But again, daddy's back. Same old controversy, sarcasm, dare I even say uh, same old wit even, and just all the good vibes in general. Uh, that brings me to today, again, season two, episode number one. Uh, let the bitching begin, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. A um, lot going on in the sports world, a lot going on in the world, period. And I'm ready to talk about it. I'm ready to argue about it. So, again, here we are. Uh, just about a week ago, we crowned the 2020 COVID-plagued World Series champions, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, which, again, we'll touch on today, as well as a... 2021 season Yankee outlook uh, for next year, obviously. Cue the Yankee hater moans and groans, baby. I love that is music to my ears. Buckle up. Again, first and foremost, congrats to the Dodgers. Uh, it's about fucking time, you guys. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, they seem to be on the brink every single year. Uh, they kind of got fucked the last couple years because the Houston Asterisks uh, decided they were going to, you know, not play fair, if you will, and bang on trash cans and be wired up, et cetera, et cetera. Good to see them get bounced um, quite early this year in in hindsight. Um, I'm not sold on the Dodgers, though, because that, that might be an, uh, an unpopular opinion. But I'm, I'm not sold on them. Uh, yeah, Mookie Betts is presumably Jesus Christ reincarnated. Um, but they're going to have to pay a lot of guys. Your Bellingers, your you know Turner's a free agent. Again, Corey Seek, just the list goes on and on. Yeah, you locked Mookie up. That's great. But then pitching, their bullpen, everything. They're going to have to spend a lot of money. And I know they got the market for it and they have the, the bankroll. Um, but I'm, not, I'm, still, I'm still not sold. Uh, they're stacked. Again, there is absolutely no disputing that. But as far as the clinching game is concerned, which I have read and seen nothing but 
horrible, horrible things about. Uh, game six was the, the clincher for the Dodgers. Again, unpopular or not, my my honest opinion is that it was given to the Dodgers on an absolute fucking silver platter by Rays manager Kevin Cash. Um, Cash pulled starter Blake Snell in game six after what I believe was five plus innings, five and a third, five and two thirds, whatever the exact number was. And he did it due to analytics. And I use that term uh, loosely, I guess. And I put some air quotes around it and that, that you're going to hear that word a whole hell of a lot more uh, coming up in this episode. Anyway, cash pulled Snell due to analytics. That was, that was the, the biggest boo boo of the series. That was, that was the biggest fuck up. Um, When, I guess my question is, when did analytics trump uh, feel and, and and instinct and just guy's stuff? You know, if he's dealing, let him fucking deal. You know, who cares if a lefty's coming up? Who cares if a righty's coming up? Who cares about launch angle? And again, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I I don't know I don't know when that's you know overrode those couple things again stuff feel instinct etc. It. It's, in my opinion, a justification of people's jobs as the analytics portion of it, that is. Um, and it's got to go. It, it absolutely has to go. Blake Snell was fucking dealing, boys and girls. He was absolutely unstoppable. Um, but because of analytics and, again, launch angles and matchups and going through the order two, three times, etc., they yoked him and, in turn lost the game, lost the World Series, and, you know, their kind of David versus Goliath matchup, depending on who you ask, it, it all went for not. Uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred, you got to wake up, my man. Wake the fuck up and see that analytics are 1,000% poison for the, the game of baseball. 99% of baseball fans including myself don't probably maybe not even probably don't know what analytics are or how they're calculated or even where the fuck they came from uh, again speaking for myself all of those things definitely hold to be true um what i think we all can agree on whether we know a little bit or a lot of it or none about analytics what we can agree on is that it's ruining starting pitching genuinely. And this is me really asking because I can't, I can't think of a, an instance. When was the last time you've seen a starting pitcher again, genuinely throw a complete game? I'm not saying a no hitter. I'm not saying a perfect game. I am saying a complete game, nine innings, 27 up, 27 down in some capacity. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw it. And and again, why why is that? Why does it rarely happen anymore? Again, I've I've racked my brain quite a bit, and this is, I guess, kind of what I've come up with. Uh, it started, in my opinion, when the imaginary team fucking pitch count came into play. And I'm, again, baseball fans and sports fans in general kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, the hundred or so pitches that these guys are able to throw. And then as soon as they start creeping up to that number, 
or or they eclipse that number by one or two or three pitches, they get yoked. They get pulled. Why? I, I why is that? These guys are freaks of nature. They're conditioning should be impeccable i understand injuries happen and, and fluke things happen that's unfortunately one of the things you sign up for when when you become uh, a professional athlete but like you know as far as tommy john and and you know ucl problems and things like that back in the day you know we're talking 40 50 60 years ago you barely ever fucking heard that again nolan ryan tom siever bob gibson big time household names like that routinely. And I stress that word routinely went out there and threw 120 to 140 pitches a night. And, and then sometimes depending on the, the season situation or depending if it was the, the postseason, I guess they ran back out to that bump three days later and did it all over again. So that's, we'll say, for the benefit of the, the argument, 150 pitches a night, three days apart, that's 300 pitches in uh, a four-day span. I, I, again, I don't know when it happened. You know, now it's, you know, you want your starters to get you through five, six, seven, if you're damn, damn lucky, innings or 100-ish pitches, and that's whichever one comes first. You know, you know, many a times, yeah, you see good offensive teams work counts and get pitch counts up and you know, try and chase the starter. I'm not shitbagging that whatsoever. Um, but the the ideology of a starter becoming vulnerable um, as it progress as he progresses through the game, it, it's it's foolish. It's it's fucking stupid, to be honest. Um, the Dictation of managers, as far as analytics are concerned, again, not wanting their guys to see a lineup more than three times is fucking asinine to me. You know, how about instead of bitching and moaning about it and and sending in a parade of relievers because your starter only went four and a third or five and two thirds or what have you, how about you develop the guys a little bit better? How about you develop their stuff so to speak right their their pitch selection they're this they're that um again you see starters nowadays fuck three pitch guys you know fastball change up slider kind of you got some freaks that throw your sinkers your you know big looping 12 to 6 curveballs change ups four seat whatever but again i'm starting to see it more and more that you you're only seeing guys with two three pitches so of course you're going to be weary about keeping a guy in the game you know, to see an offense three times, maybe four, depending on <clears throat> how the the game is, con- you know, going and how it's concerning them. Um, to me, it's so much more than fatigue, you know, arm fatigue, the the risk of injury. You know, develop the guy, develop the starter, get a proper game plan, so they can get you into the eighth and ninth inning. They can get you through the heart of a lineup the, for the third time with, with no no qualms about it. I'm not, again, I'm not sitting here and shitbagging relievers by any sense of the word because they have one of the toughest jobs in baseball, coming in, holding the lead down, and and, and trying to close the game out. That That's not what I'm doing at all. But you're you're taking the masculinity, I guess, away of, of, of starting pitchers, only letting them go out, you know, four or five innings. You know, the Yankees... Just as an example, um, 
every now and again, I'll use an opener. You know, that was one of my biggest fucking gripes this postseason is when they ran Debbie Garcia out there and he pitched one inning. And then you put in Jay Happ, who has proven absolutely fucking nothing since he became a Yankee. I, I just, it, it blows my mind. And Debbie Garcia being a 21-year-old kid, whether he was in on the plan or not, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for his psyche. It doesn't, it doesn't boost his confidence whatsoever. You know, he, he comes in for an inning, he gives up two hits and a run, and then they, they give him the, you know, the gate, they, they pull him. I, I just, I don't get it. I, some of these bullpens, um, in, you know, across major league baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays being one of them. And I'm not again, discrediting them whatsoever because they have some fucking freaks specifically in, in their bullpen. Um, but some of these teams have you know, up to 16 fucking relievers and you, they pan the camera to the, the bullpen when they show guys warming up or show that there's nobody warming. And there is, I mean, coaches excluded. These guys are tripping over each other. These relievers, there are so many of them. They are there. There's not, sometimes they're standing and maybe that's by choice for d- depending on the guy, but I'd have to be willing to bet that, you know, some of them are standing because there's no fucking seats. You know what I mean? It just, it, it blows my mind. And, and these guys, there's so many of them. And a lot of them are what I would presume favored it over others. Um, they are more liable to fall out of rhythm, I guess. You know, you hear all the time about relievers only, you know, they haven't pitched in a week. You know, uh, Araldis Chapman is notorious for that. He, you know, comes in and closes the game and then the Yankees blow out teams for their next five, six games and they don't, they don't use them. But then all of a sudden it's crunch time and they're up two to one and they want them to close the game. That's not how good. Again, it's a, you got to find a happy medium here as far as baseball is, is concerned. The, the general population, you know, not me and not some of my close friends, but as a general rule, from what I understand, um, they already see baseball as a very stagnant and boring sport. So again, Rob Manfred and you know all of us baseball fans united, this is crisis mode. You know, as far as I'm concerned, or fucking should be anyway. Um, over the last five years, and again, looking this statistic up, over the last five years, the league average for relievers used or pitchers rather pitchers used per game is 8.6 eight we'll, we'll just say eight eight pitchers used uh, a game per per game in baseball i just i don't get it i, I just again this parade of relievers that it, it blows my mind it really does that, that it just like that like I, I can't even snap my fingers fast enough to to signify how how it happened like that because i remember being a kid and that shit wasn't like that. You know, your Greg Maddox's, your, your John Smoltz's, your Mike Mussina and Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling. Those dudes weren't pitching five and a third unless they were getting fucking rocked. Roger Clemens being one of the biggest psychopaths and cheaters, depending on who you ask. But, you know, if a manager threatened to pull him after five innings and he was what he felt was dealing or in comparison to Blake Snell's game six performance, he would have lost his ever loving mind. Roger Clemens would have, he would have gone ballistic. And 
that was again the the instinct, the feel, the no, I feel okay. We're we're down a run. We have an offense to to you know bump us up and and give us a lead, et cetera, et cetera. I dig it. Again, I don't know. I don't know when it happened, but again, eight eight pitchers per game used. And again, there's a huge difference between slowing a game down, like slow play, and you know, having your starter go seven innings, bringing in a righty, and then sandwiching in a lefty in the middle between your first reliever and your closer. That lefty for a, a pivotal out. I I get that, and I don't I don't have a problem with that, you know, whatsoever. The 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 difference that lies within this is that between slow play and analytics, the, the latter being analytics is absolutely, again, ruining and plaguing and poisoning the game of baseball. Attendance is plummeting across Major League Baseball. Um, and it, it, it bothers me. Again, being a, a, a huge, huge baseball fan and have been my entire life and hopefully will continue to be, it bothers me. It really does. You know, a few old-time plays have gone by the wayside. Um, let me pose some examples for you as far as old time plays are concerned. Again, your, your starters going six, seven, eight innings, the, those days are gone. Uh, but there, here's some more small ball, small ball period has, has gone by the wayside. Sacrifice bunts, unless you're in the, the national league in the third inning and your pitcher is hitting with a runner on Fuck, I don't know. First, let's say first. That's the only time you're seeing a sack bunt. In the AL, you're not seeing that ever because all these guys are trying to hit 50 home runs a year, and that's just, again, it, it, it's gone extinct. You're hitting runs. That's not, again, I haven't seen, you know, I really, in my life, I haven't seen that too much as it is. Maybe I'm just not paying attention to the right games, but, you know, nowadays, especially hitting runs, you don't see that. And again, for the people that don't know, a sacrifice bunt is, again, a pitcher coming up in the National League and hitting with a guy on first base, laying down a bunt, getting thrown out at first base so the guy, the runner on first base, can get to second or third, depending on the play, um, and sacrificing himself, getting out in order to advance a runner. A hit and run, traditionally, it's a guy on first. He's going to steal second, so the second baseman is going to cover second base. The hitter with every and any ounce of himself is going to try and put that ball to the right side of the field through that hole, that gap where the second baseman would have been if the runner hadn't been stealing. So the runner stealing second base can get to third so much quicker. Um, you don't see that anymore. You know, again, advancing a runner to third, advancing a runner to second, you know, these little small ball plays, you don't, you don't see them. Uh, how about this? Uh, a suicide squeeze. I couldn't tell you the last time. I could not tell you the last time I've seen it. And it blows my mind because that is a pivotal, that could be, you know, positively or negatively, of course, but that could be a pivotal moment uh, of a game. I Again, gone by the wayside, haven't seen it extinct. And as I said before, complete games for starters, again, virtually gone as well. Now, I guess, what does analytics bring to the table besides fucking nothing and a poison to the, the game of baseball that makes me sick to my stomach? No. Uh, analytics brings a couple of things 
launch angles. When a player hits a ball that's up in the zone, the launch angle is liable to be higher. Or if it's down in the zone, the launch angle is liable to be lower. 45 degrees, 47 degrees, 56 degrees, whatever. Who fucking cares? Um, spin rates. Fucking spin rates on curveballs. I don't give a fuck what the spin rate is on Clayton Kershaw's curveball. The only thing that's aesthetically pleasing to me is the the break on it. I don't care about how many times it spins before it, it, it reaches the dirt or the batter or what have you. It If that ball is moving 12 to 6, like, again, if you know Clayton Kershaw's does, that's aesthetically pleasing to me. That the guy's looking fucking stupid when they're looking for 96, you know, up in the zone, and he drops this absolute hanger on him. That's cool to me. The spin rate, I could fucking care less about. Exit velocities. That is one portion of analytics that I don't mind because it's kind of cool to see, to see these big monster motherfucking players hit a ball 123 miles an hour out of the park. You know, again, Kershaw throws a 95 mile an hour fastball and we'll say, I don't know, G-Man Choi in, in the World Series. 95 mile an hour fastball, G-Man Choi turns it around and hits it out of the, the park at 121 miles an hour. It's cool shit. It's cool shit that an eight-year-old kid is standing in right field as that ball is coming towards that eight-year-old kid and he snags it with his glove like nothing even happened. Like it was a routine pop fly in one of his Little League games. That is kind of cool to me. But again, is it necessary? No. Is it kind of remotely pointless? Yeah, in, in my opinion, it it is. Uh, the theory that strikeouts are no worse than any other out is fucking asinine to me. Message being, I guess, to your hitters, go up there and swing for the fences. Because if you strike out, oh well. It's like you flew out to the wall, to the warning track, right? Which makes zero sense to me. Because if you're telling a guy to go up and swing for the fences with one out runner on third, yeah, I get it, you know, because you want to get it to the outfield. But why wouldn't you just ask for a sack fly then? Why are you demanding uh, a home run? I don't I don't get it. It, it kind of it, it definitely boosts the records for strikeouts and home runs yearly. That's for goddamn sure, because, again, the teams are striking out at a an insane level and teams are hitting home runs again, not in a, a COVID plagued season, of course. Um, they're hitting them at a ridiculous level. Again, the Twins and the Yankees a couple of years ago, I think last year, the year before, they were neck and neck, you know, 150, 200, 220, 230. Just asinine numbers. Every single guy up and down their lineup had at least 15, 20 home runs. And that's, again, the dialogue that go up there and swing for defenses, period. And I, I don't, again, I don't necessarily agree with that. You're taking the contact portion of the game out and, I don't, I don't dig it. Uh, once a starter, going back to pitching, I guess, once a starter is removed, again, a, a never-ending parade of these relievers follow. And chances are, and in game six of this year's World Series, it, it proved it tenfold that these relievers are going to blow your starter's lead. Because game six of the World Series, if I'm not mistaken, Blake Snell was yoked, and the score was two to one or it was a one-run game in, in some capacity where the Rays were, in fact, still winning. And guess what happened? 
and maybe it was one nothing. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. I'm about 99% sure that the Rays were up. Um, and look what happened. Game six of the World Series ended, and the Dodgers were jumping it up, spraying champagne, dodging COVID. Cue Justin Turner. <laughs> what a shit show that was, but that's a, a topic for a different day. Um, but again, once the starter gets yoked, chances are the, the lead's gone because you're putting in a parade of relievers, six, seven of them maybe at a time. And again, it you're liable to blow the, the lead. It Another thing that is, in my opinion, poison for the game of baseball, the shift, the radical, stupid, disgusting shift that some of these teams put on some of these hitters. The Tampa Bay Rays are prime proof, prime example uh, of this radical shift. For my, again, non-baseball following listeners, the shift is exactly this. Typically, you would have your third baseman and your shortstop on one side of second base and your second baseman and your first baseman on the other side of second base. The left-handed hitter that comes up that their analytics prove only pulls the ball to right field. This is what they do. The first baseman stays put. The second baseman drops into a shallow left field position and the shortstop switches to the other side, the first base side of second base, kind of a little bit left or right, depending on which side you're on, uh, compared to what the second baseman would normally line up. It's fucking stupid. And then the Rays, this, I haven't seen it before as far as they specifically are concerned, but this year in the playoffs, we're implementing a four outfielder like defensive lineup. They were dropping Joey Wendell out to left or they were putting somebody in one of the gaps or whatever. That's just fucking asinine, man. It, it really is. And I just, I don't get it. You know, again, these hitters presented with uh, the gift of the century, presumably on a, a regular shift or in the Rays instance, one of these, you know, radical alignments that they run out there these hitters do they slap a hit down the the third baseline or or push a bunt you know again these guys are professional athletes i feel as though if they wanted to bunt down the third baseline they fucking should be able to right they don't do that they fucking never never do that i've witnessed two people that i can truthfully remember do that and and, and get a, a double and one of them being Robinson Cano and the other one being Cody Ballinger, I think a couple of years ago, I'm sure it's happened way more, but those are two times where I sat there and watched it and specifically thought, yeah, okay. Why don't all these fucking players do this? And, and, and I still, I don't get it. The, these lefties come up and they strike out, they wail at a pitch and, and maybe they're trying to hit it down to their baseline. I don't, I don't know. They strike out, they fly out or they ground into that loaded side of the infield again, lefty, righty, left side, right side, doesn't matter. They hit a ground ball to that second baseman playing all the way out in East bumfuck right field and they ground out. So me being me, me being a problem solver, here are my solutions to analytics, to the shift, to things like that. Starting first and foremost with the shift, um, nix it, fucking cut it out. Get rid of it completely. Nix the shift. Until the pitch is delivered, the infield and the outfield must line up in a traditional manner. Again, center fielder straight up. If they want to shade a little bit, 
I guess I don't have a problem with that. I guess I'm directing this more towards your loaded upsides of the infield, you know, dropping a third baseman or whoever the Rays were doing into the outfield. Cut, cut that shit out. Again, line up traditionally until the pitch is delivered. As soon as, and, and granted, that doesn't give you much reaction time, but that'd be kind of cool to watch you know, your shortstop, your, your second baseman backpedaling into the outfield and your shortstop running all the way to the other side of second base. But get your cardio up, boys. Um, I think that'd be kind of a, a cool facet uh, of you know getting back to a traditional style of baseball. Next, force managers to get length back from their starters. I'm not saying make a rule. I'm not saying starters have to go, you know, eight eight and a third innings or what have you. Uh, because again, guys get shelled. You know, we've seen it time in and time out where guys can't even get out of the first inning. But it, you know. Use your imagination as far as a, a manager is concerned. This is, I came up with some some numbers and some some statistics. 11 pitchers total on your 25-man roster, whether that's starters, whether that's relievers, whether that's one guy you use as an opener, whether that's your closer, two closers. I, I don't care how you, how you spin it. 11 pitchers total on your 25-man, period. Then make a maximum of seven pitchers per game you can use seven pitchers in a in a, in a in a game not this again never ending parade of 9 10 12 guys it's fucking stupid next bring back fucking small ball i don't care how it happens bring it back your your sack bunts your hit and runs your stealing in general and again not a knock on catcher's arms because these guys are freaks of nature and, and brick walls back there but again Bring the the exciting little portions of baseball back. I can't, again, bunting specifically, sack bunting, suicide squeeze, what have you. Being a Yankees guy, I couldn't tell you the last time that that I, I've seen it done, not consistently, but you know, in a point where it's a no-fucking-brainer to me, uh, a Joe Schmo fan sitting on the couch. I couldn't tell you the last time. I remember sitting here this past year, our, our COVID year, the Yankees were in a situation where a bunt was the best possible solution. And I was sitting there watching the game with family and, you know, my fiance and I'm like, Higashioka was up. I'm like, bunt dude, fucking bunt. You're a professional athlete. You're a professional baseball player. Bunt. There's one out guys on first and second or first and third or whatever the case was. Bunt. I advance those runners over and give your shot, give your team a shot to win the game. And they didn't. And I think Higashioka ended up striking out or grounding out or what have you. And the Yankees ended up losing. I believe it was against Tampa Bay in the, the latter portion of the year, but it just, it doesn't happen anymore. You know, again, I personally always want to love baseball. I have virtually since I've been born, you know, truth, truthfully, but we have to get back to it being America's pastime and, and the grand old game as some of the, the old heads call it. You know, I, we got to get back to that. So, Again, there's that as far as analytics and things are concerned. This now brings me to the New York Yankees, period, outlook, things like that. Tons of promise with this fucking team. Tons and tons of promise. Window and, you know, light shining so bright and so big. Lack of results. Just heartbreaking. The, the Rays smoked us, period. They smoked us. And if 
for some godforsaken reason, the Yankees could have came out with a W in, in game five of the DS. As much as it pains me to say it, I, I truthfully don't know if they would have gotten past Houston to, to get to the series. I don't think it would have happened. I don't think their depth in pitching would have gotten them there. And not to mention in the later portion, probably game, definitely game four and five, um, maybe even the middle of game three, the Yankees offense just went cold, just took a nap. And and that can't happen. You know, again, if you're trying to, to win the big one, it, it can't, can't happen. So again, the Rays smoked us. It probably wouldn't have been Houston, wouldn't have beaten Houston. And you probably wouldn't have ended up to beat the Dodgers either. So now what? If you're the Yankees, now what? First, above all else, you re-sign DJ LeMahieu. Period. That, first and fucking foremost, his defense, his contact hitting, his just baseball IQ. I love that terminology. It, it speaks for itself. It is unprecedented. I, I have never seen a guy with six tools as opposed to to five. You hear guys say that, oh, he's a five-tool guy. DJ's got six, eight, 12 tools. The, again, just kid was born to play baseball, and and he, he proves it night in and night out. You, If you're Cashman, if you're Boone, get that man a blank check. Give him the best ballpoint pen that New York City has to offer and tell him to fill it out. Fill that fucking check out and, and, and stay... For the love of God, stay put in, in New York. Next, again, if this were me, you get rid of Andujar, Miguel Andujar. You get rid of Brett Gardner. And of course, you get rid of Gary Sanchez. That's going to cause some controversy, even with my fellow uh, Yankee fans and friends. But you fucking get rid of those three, Gary uh, Sanchez specifically. Andujar... Um, Injury plagued, showed a lot of promise uh, two years ago. Um, but then he lost his job straight up, got hurt, came back and was slumping a little bit. And he lost his job to Gio Urshela. And, and to me, that's non-negotiable. Gio is a freak at third base. He's a young kid. He said time in and time out that New York is where he wants to be and where he needed to be because he wasn't really feeling it in Cleveland. And you know what? I like it. I dig it. I like him over there. The kid's an animal as far as, you know, playing the hot corner. Um, I think you can spin Andujar for an arm of some sort. I'm not saying you're going to get some, you know, five-star platinum level starter for him, but you're going to get a reliever. You're going to get, you know, prospect even. And, and, and that's the direction the Yankees are going in. They're developing these young kids down in the minors and, and they're panning out. So I, I think they could do that. Um, Brett Gardner next. Thanks for the memories, my guy. But but exit left. You know, uh, it's time to to beat feet. He's the only one left from the 09 World Series. Um, I can understand and appreciate the leadership and locker room presence, if you will. Um, but again, exit left for for Clint Frazier to come on in. You know, Clint Frazier has since they started bringing him up to the Yankees has proven that he wants to play. And, and I remember a couple of years ago, his defense was, again, subpar at best in, in right specifically. Um, but the kids put in the work. He's in the gym nonstop and he can hit. He can hit the both sides of the field. And again, another kid that loves being in New York. Um, I don't think Clint Frazier was ever really given a fair crack 
um, nor do I feel that way about Mike Talkman either. Mike Talkman still uh, has a couple of years left on his contract, two, I believe, um, or maybe one in a club option, but two regardless. I don't think he was really ever given a fair crack either. He was kind of a plug-and-play utility guy as far as whenever somebody in the outfield was hurt, which seems to be non-fucking-stop between Judge and Stanton and Hicks even too. Um, but I think Clint Frazier's your guy. I think with repetition and, and consistency of playing every night or every other day or what have you, he's only going to get better. And he's proven that already with the very minimalistic chances that he's gotten. And then that brings me to Gary, the Kraken Sanchez. Oh, oh, Gary Sanchez. You have clearly proven that you aren't worth any of our time. Us Yankees fans, I'm speaking about us. You, not, not worth it, man. You, you gave us a little, you know, chubby boners when you <laughs> tore it up your rookie season. You hit 20 home runs in 22 games or whatever the fuck the number was. And then what happened? You upgraded your gold chain. You got some more tattoos and decided that you didn't want to play baseball well anymore. I don't know. Clearly not the answer. Clearly not worth our time. And as my good pal and my brother, Nab, would say, shout out to you, my friend. Love you. Miss you. See you soon. Um, a bucket of balls for Gary Sanchez will do. Not that we wish any personal harm on anyone at all. But if he were to die in a fiery car crash, <laughs> it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, I'll take the bucket of balls though. For real, for Gary Sanchez, um, between hitting again, or the lack thereof over the last couple of years, a ridiculous asinine ass backwards, non-fundamental, whatever terminology you want to use catching style mixed with poor defense and maybe that's a credit to the um, catching style or just laziness or what have you. Poor defense and little league tendencies. Again, as my buddy would say, again, drop and pop flies, not making efforts, pass balls, uh, sitting on his right knee. You know, the list goes on and on with this guy. Slumping, hitting, you know, from what I understand, I've read articles and I don't know if they hold any validity or not, but some people say that he's not coachable, that people try and make adjustments with him and it's all a comfort thing for him. Why the upper management and Aaron Boone are so high on this cat. It's beyond me. I, I, I can't figure it out. I'm not sold on him. I've yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't stoked when of course he was a rookie and he was hitting home runs every other at bat. But as a baseball fan, you can see tendencies when he was hitting those home runs, he still had horrendous, um, defensive positioning and his catching stance and just all around attitude, I guess, you know, getting rid of Gary Sanchez, that doesn't mean the Yankees don't need another backstop. They don't, they don't, that doesn't mean they don't need another catcher because they absolutely 100% do. Eric Kratz, kudos to him for, for still playing at 40 plus years old. And more importantly, kudos to him for being a catcher by trade but also able to play first base and being one of the best fucking relievers I've seen as far as a, a positional player is concerned. Do yourself a favor, ladies and gentlemen. And if you haven't seen Eric Kratz pitch, Eric with a K and then Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z, 
if you've never seen him pitch, do yourself a favor and YouTube it because the dude's knuckleball is like Tim Wakefield-esque. It, it's, it's disgusting. And of course, they're putting him in, in situations where their bullpen is light or they're getting blown out. But it's, it's cool. It's, just, it's a cool sports moment to watch. Um, the Yankees absolutely need another catcher, as I said before. Kyle Higashioka stood on his fucking head in the playoffs, this, this COVID World Series that we just got through. Stood on his head. And it was impressive, you know, the leadership he took him, you know, commanding a game and, and, and calling a game when Garrett Cole's on the bump, who, you know, is virtually Jesus Christ reincarnated. And he, Higashioka called a great game and, and again, stood on his head with pass balls or the lack thereof. And, you know, just a, a big presence, but I still don't know if I see him as an everyday guy yet. Do I think with consistency and reps and things like that, similar to what I was saying about Clint Frazier, he could be absolutely. But in the meantime, let him develop because he's still a younger guy and go out and get somebody go out and buy. Yes. To all you Yankee haters, I use the three letter word buy B U Y buy <laughs> buy a real Muto, a JT real Muto. Sorry, Dan, but go out and buy a Yachty Molina for, for a year or two. Go, go rent him. Uh, or even a Mike Zanino, you know, Mike Zanino, the catcher from the Rays, he it, again, torched it this, uh, postseason and, and stood on his head and has proved that he's, a an A plus guy back there, go out and get him. And, and of course the Yankees, they need to go out and get pitching. <laughs> I think that goes without saying again, for lack of better terms, Paxton and Tanaka are free agents. Let them walk. Let them both walk. James Paxton, when he wasn't hurt, which was very infrequent, um, really didn't prove anything to me either. I was super stoked when we got him because when he was in Seattle, he was a younger guy. He had fun. He you know, had good stuff. I, I don't know what happened when he got to New York. Again, between the injuries and you know, just inconsistency, period, I got to go. Uh, Tanaka, thanks for the memories again. Let him go. If I guess if you held a gun to my head, I probably, I, I would probably want Tanaka back for maybe a year if you can get him cheap for a year or two or what have you. Um, but in a, in, in an ideal situation, I would let them both go. There's some talent in the free agent pool this year. That's, that's for certain. Um, you know, you got Mookie who's locked up, you know, he would have been, you got who else? Xander would have been locked up or I'm sorry, would have been out there, but he got locked up. But as far as pitching, Specifically, it's concerned, and of course, I just rattled off a couple names as far as catchers go. Um, you know, the Yankees, you can look at Kluber, Corey Kluber. He's sitting on a club option, so don't look long and hard because if they decide they the Rangers want to lock him up again, then they'll lock him up. But, you know, put some feelers out there. You can you can make phone calls. You can this, you can that. Um, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole have a very storied past. I don't know if you know that story. Uh, Garrett Cole... They went to the same college. Um, Garrett Cole said that Trevor Bauer's work ethic was lackluster and that he doesn't have a future in baseball, quote, unquote. Um, so I'm presuming that that left a bad taste in Bauer's mouth. Uh, I love this newfound Trevor Bauer, like this dick, fuck, total asshole Trevor Bauer. I, I like it. And I think that grittiness could could prove to be beneficial uh, in New York. You know, again, he has the possibility of going back to Cincinnati. I know he's already been in Boston for a visit. Um, you know, again, put your feelers out there for him. He's got 
nasty, nasty stuff. And he can give you, you know, inning strikeouts ERA that you're looking for. Marcus Stroman is another one. I have liked Marcus Stroman since the day he ran out to the rubber uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. The Yankees could have had him before he went to the Mets and they passed up on him. They physically, Marcus Stroman called and said, or his agent called and said, hey, my client really has interest in playing for the Yankees. You know, can we set something up? Can we this, can we that? And I guess it never panned out because, again, he's not a Yankee. Um, but even now with him being a free agent, he's been quoted in saying that, yes, you have passed by me time in and time out. I still would be honored to put on pinstripes. That's cool shit to me. Again, serviceable guy, nasty stuff, um, throws hard. He's been consistent. You know, again, when he was with Toronto, he, you know, absolutely torched it. I remember him pitching in the World Baseball Classic a couple years back. Kid loves the game, and and I dig it. I like it a lot. Um, another guy is Taiwan Walker, who is also in the free agent pool. Um, I don't know too much about him. I know he played for the Braves, I think. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But, yeah, I know he's a big kid. I know he's got some nasty stuff. I know he throws a split, sink, slide combo. Um, you know what? As far as the Yankees are concerned, you need all the help you can get. You know, in a perfect world, you, you get one of those two guys cheap. And that, that gets you more than enough um, help, that is, because you got Jordan Montgomery, you know, healthy again from Tommy John. He's only going to get better uh, as he gets more repetition and consistency. Obviously, your Garrett Cole, your Debbie Garcia. Um, they're really high on this Michael King kid. Um, so, again, you grab one of those two guys, one or two of those guys cheap, they'll have more than enough because you're also, this conversation, we're excluding a possible Severino or Domingo Herman return. Savvy, you don't know what you're going to get as far as him coming back from Tommy John. And we don't know if Domingo Herman can stop beating his wife to the point where he can continue to play professional baseball again. I'm sorry about laughing, but it's just crazy that these guys do this when they have the world by the balls. But I digress. In a perfect world, again, I, I would love to see Giancarlo Stanton go, but I don't see him opting out because he's owed like 25 million change for this season. So I, I don't see him opting out. He'll, he'll kind of muddle through the year and uh, kind of take his money and run with it, so to speak. Um, another free agent that the Yankees could go get is Michael Brantley. Uh, Michael Brantley was a plug and play outfield utility guy, predominantly left field uh, for the Houston Astros these last couple of years in their championship run. And he is probably one of, if not the only one, Houston Astro that I can tolerate because he doesn't open his mouth. You know, he, he's a baseball player. He goes in, does his job, whatever happens, happens. Does that mean that he was in on the sign stealing? Sure. But he never voiced it. He was never an arrogant fuck like your Correa's and your Bregman's and your Altuve's and you know, things like that. Brantley is again, he can play every position in the outfield. Um, He's a defensive stud. Again, he's proven that. And he's got a lot of pop at the plate. Also, being a lefty. He just so happens to be a left-handed hitter, which God knows the Yankees don't have many of those, aside from your Talkmans and Gardeners and Hicks can hit from the left side, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in reality, though, you know, again, me being rational for a moment, I guess, um, I don't, I don't see many of these things happening. It's very easy to sit here and and have water cooler conversation over a microphone, right? And and talk shit. But I, I don't I don't see it happening. Would it be great? Sure. But 
in a real world, the Yankees are going to re-sign DJ LeMahieu because, again, he enjoys being here. The Yankees have the money to pay him, and they're probably going to pay him. They re-sign Tanaka, and they re-sign Gardy. Am I happy about those two? No, as I just expressed to you before. Um, but that's, again, in reality what I see happening. You, They're going to keep Sanchez on. They're going to they're keep him for this season coming up, as much as that pains me to fucking say. Um, they're going to, they're high on him, and I, I just don't know why. And they're just going to keep giving him chances and chances. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll, he'll make me eat my words right now. But yeah, I think that's highly unlikely. Uh, Miggy and Duhar, I, I think he stays on as a possible DH or a, a plug and play fourth day uh, outfielder. But. Uh, again, you're you're gonna have to put him on the the trading block and see what you can get out of him because again, he's he's not the answer, and he clearly lost his job to Gio Rochelle at third base, which is his home position, so to speak. So we'll see what happens. Uh, what I do know for certain, though, is come opening day, two K twenty one, if Tanaka is a Yankee, if Paxton is a Yankee, if Gary Sanchez is a Yankee, and DJ Lemayhew has another uniform on, I'm going to have a fucking stroke. I'm going to stroke out. I'm going to lose my mind. But we shall see. Plenty of time left, you know, before free agents kind of really start making phone calls and signing here, there, and everywhere. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. But again, I digress. That'll be that, though, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this is just the tip of the iceberg as far as baseball and analytics and the Yankees and things like that are concerned. Fuck. It's even the tip of the iceberg for season two, baby season two muted. No more again. Welcome the fuck back. The moral of the story, I guess you could say is that analytics in baseball or sports in general suck dick for dollars. The Yankees have a ton of work to do and, and a long road ahead of them. I don't know how they're possibly still second best odds to win the world series next year, but I'm not going to argue with that. And baseball still rules, depending on analytics, regardless of analytics, regardless of the shit that slows the game down and makes it boring, et cetera, et cetera. If I missed anything, you know, as far as analytics, or if you disagree, or if I missed anything with the Yankees or you disagree, you already know what to do. Reach out to me on any platform, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I hope you all stay well. I hope you all stay healthy. I hope you all go out and vote in a couple of days. Again, be the change you want to see in the world. Don't bitch about it. Be about it. I want you guys to stay tuned. I want you guys to keep the love and the input and the support going. Again, it doesn't go unnoticed and it doesn't go uh, underappreciated. That is for goddamn sure. Um, stay tuned again. Season two is here. That's, again, non-negotiable. That is facts, new topics, new guests. Um, same old fucking Dan Dudziak sarcasm and, and monotone, dry, disgusting humor. But I wouldn't want to have it any other way, and I know uh, you guys wouldn't either. So, again, we're going to do this again real soon. Stay well. I love you guys. Peace.